to the Summoning Hour. All right, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Check Your Six, the podcast segment of the Summoning Hour where we discuss everything happening with Collegiate Rainbow Six. How about that? We are down to the final week. Outside of some all-star matches coming up, we have the finals coming up. That's on Saturday, I believe. I need to double check on the time, but we'll get there. Check, or better yet, don't rely on me. Go follow Collegiate R6 on Twitter. Find their Discord, join in, be a part of the community. That's what you want to do. But in the meantime, I thought I would share with you data, perspective, my perception at least, and let's talk about the grand finals, or the finals, however you want to word it. This is coming down to a battle of Texas. University of Houston, nationally ranked number eight, and Texas A&M ranked nationally at number six. So we've had a lot of fun getting to this point, and what I want to call out is how these teams got there. So let's review. Let's talk Houston first. So both of these teams went eight wins and one tie during the regular season, which, hey, sets them up to be contenders to really be duking it out against each other, which is phenomenal. I was hoping for a good fight, and I think that this is going to be a good place to guarantee it, considering some of the teams that they had to overcome in the playoffs. But before we get there, let's talk about the regular season. Fun fact, Houston lost to CSU LB or California State University Long Beach in the season one semi-finals. Hang on to that fact for a little bit. It's important and interesting. Their eight wins came from, in order, Ferris State, Minnesota TC, Illinois State, Angelo State, Illinois Tech, Saham Houston, then North Georgia and Boise State. Now, North Georgia, as you saw, is denoted as part of the Viper Group 1. This was one of their two matches that took them outside of their group. The team that they tied to was Lion Group 1's UC San Diego, which, again, an interesting little sniglet of information is that the... Their opponents, Texas A&M, defeated them in the playoffs. So there's your first little nugget of differentiating between the two teams. There we go. Now, let's scroll down a little bit. In the playoffs. Houston was able to take out West Virginia, number 25th, ranked nationally, number four out of the Eagle Regional, 
playoffs and number three in their group. So pretty, pretty heavy representation in their regionals and made a strong showing in their group playoffs or the in the regular season which so groups regional then nationals right being number three in group stage means that they were second in line they were second seed going into the regional playoffs from their group but when they were placed there there were two other teams placed ahead of them so or three other teams all of the number two teams and for them to be number four it just means that they were the strongest of the third place teams in their groups that went into the regionals so really strong showing early and when it just came down to the numbers after regionals they just fell down to the bottom or near the bottom at 25. they defeated grand canyon university number nine nationally number one out of line group three for anyone who is number one in their group that means they didn't even have to participate in the regional playoffs so they just jumped straight to national so this was one of those teams that proved that they were one of the best so now being one of the best still put them at number nine nationally when they went in which means they were of the four group or four divisions that they had eagle lion viper what am i missing <laughs> i forgot which one i'm missing uh, let me pull up my stats vicious stack tracking eagle lion falcon viper did i say that i thought i said that Oh well, I might have missed that. Um, so there was four divisions. Each division had three groups. So that means they were ninth out of twelfth of all the number one seeds who made it straight to nationals. So still, I mean, out of what, 60-some teams, something like that in the entire tournament or season and tournament that they come out number nine, that's a good place to be. Akron number 16 in nationals number one in Egan eagle regional number two in eagle group three so very strong very high representation they even took out the number one seed akron had taken out the number one seed so for houston to show up and go pop pop there you go we took out the people who wiped out the undefeated massively stacked statistically number one ranked nationally team dang okay check that box you've got balls of steel to pull this off and then british columbia number four nationally number one in line group two there you go they beat some heavy heavy hitters to get there so kudos to houston and being able to pull off getting here so that's that is Houston, University of Houston. Good luck. Y'all need it. Both sides will need their luck. So doing just fine there. Let's roll on to their opponents. Texas AMU. AMU? No. 
I'm mixing up the acronym T-A-M-U with Texas A&M and I'm just botching it. I apologize. Now, here's, here's more of that fun, cool stuff that I like. I like to find when I'm uh, exploring the datas, the data. Let's just expand this just a little bit. I want to keep a little, little something secret. We got unshared history with CSULB, which again, here's back to the, here's one of those callbacks at least. They lost to CSULB in season one as well in the round of eight. So just before CSULB took out University of Houston. That's fun. Hold on to it. We're not done yet. Again, eight wins, one tie during the regular season. SAIUE, Maryville, Colorado, Colorado, or Colorado Springs, uh, Lion Group 3's Grand Canyon, which, as you might remember, was number one in their group. Uh, Oklahoma State, Illinois, Chicago, Arkansas Tech, Abilene Christian. They tied against another out-of-division match with uh, Sheridan in Eagle Group 3. Here's the fun stuff. Number 7, tw uh, 27th nationally, Utah. 7th overall in regionals. Number 3 in their group. Pretty well stacked for sure. FIU, 22, 22nd nationally. Third in Viper Regionals, second in Viper Group 2. So just barely missing that ability to jump from second to within 12th. So, I mean, there's a pretty big gap, but not falling too far. Now, I, I say that there was a pretty, pretty big gap, but at the same time, so many of these games came down to, or so many of these ranks came down to round differential scores or the difference of one round that ended up being a tie over a loss and some of those teams just had that switch and so everyone was really really close in this tournament and i was amazed at seeing how it played out because there was very few stacked teams that were just like we're just going to bowl over everyone now we had a couple undefeated teams going into the national playoffs they were done like they were knocked out in the round of eight I believe was the latest one that they were in. So, I mean, this is really anyone's tournament and I cannot wait for season three because I think it's going to be more of the same with an even bigger team pool. I'm so excited to hopefully hear more casting opportunities come up for more schools because I would love to see more highlights, hear more from folks, and that's something that we can definitely accommodate going forward. Now, here's the... Here's the, the coup de grace of my cool data for this episode. Both teams lost to CSULB in Season 1. One in the round of way 8. That was Texas and A&M. And Houston lost in the round of 16. So, this time in Season 2, CSULB lost to Texas A&M. They were number sixth nationally, number two in Lion Regionals, and tied for number two in Lion Group 2. That's so cool. Like, 
one season's difference, two opponents coming into it had a shared vendetta against the team. And the team, one of the teams that lost, came back and beat their rival. And here's, here's, we're getting to some more kind of high level data here. CSULB was the second place finisher in season one. Dang. Okay. Team high notoriety, second in national or second in regional, second in their group, high ranked nationally, second place finishers season one. Dang. Okay. Good. Strong team. There you go. Then one step farther and take out UC San Diego. Seventh nationally, first in Viper Group One. And guess what? They were the first place finishers in season one. Boom! Texas AM is just blowing this wide open. They're saying, bring it on. They have no care about who you are, where you're from, what your history is. They're coming for you. And that's not to say. I mean, I give a whole bunch of respect and talent uh, acknowledgement to University of Houston because they took out Akron. They took out the people who took out the perfect team, the team that had something, some absurd, completely absurd statistic of around 90 round differential over their opponents. That is just a team that was made for slaughtering everyone, and they got beat by the 16th ranked team. And then that team got beat by the, what I say, uh, eighth ranked team. Everyone is so close in skill and everyone is capable of pulling off some amazing wins and some amazing matches. So this is gonna be a doozy this weekend. Last little tidbits I have spread from Let's see, how can I do this? Well, that minimized what I was looking for. That's not what I wanted. No. Where did you go? Okay, we'll just do it this way. Here's what we'll do. Slide, 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 slippery slide. Here is some statistics from the highest ELO players in Collegiate Rainbow Six. We have HAL 9001. I'm guessing that's how you say it. You and you, you all in your crazy names. 4.1 ELO, 186 kills, 66 assists, only died 85 times in 166 rounds played. That's a scary number. That is a scary, scary number to come up against. Kill to death ratio, 2.2, basically, 2.19. Kill to death average, almost three. That's nuts. That is sheer insanity and that is someone who is going to be popping off left and right that is not someone you want to meet in a dark corner and or trying to peek 
and get cheeky with, he will destroy you. Texas, or on Houston's side, Pavinda, Vinda, PVNDA, if that's how you pronounce it, 3.5k ELO, 146 kills, 38 assists, 88 deaths, with only a round played of 139 rounds. I can think of a strong showing of what that rounds played means, is that they have beaten their opponents significantly I guess I guess I couldn't call it significantly as it is they have beaten their opponents by a number of rounds each time they don't keep it close they are there to win and they adapt quickly so that no one has a rolling momentum hmm. that, I mean depending on how the teams play if you see if see if you see Houston fall behind they are going to adapt. I think Texas is going to play it fast and loose. I think they're going to try and be a little more unpredictable, which might lead to why they've had to play so many more rounds overall. Uh, KDR for Pavenda, just going without with that pronunciation, uh, 1.66, so lower on that side. KDA, 2.09, nothing wrong with that. Kills per round. 1.05 solid numbers all the way around very clearly a solid performer consistent and deadly and if his team can lift him up or how their team dynamic works if they can execute on their plan that's all you need right so that's all i have if i had to go out and put money on this match which i can't but I would, uh, if I could. Uh, I would have to go with Texas A&M. I am just a huge fan of the fact that they took out UC San Diego, CSULB, and, I mean, look at their other opponents. FIU, Utah. They were strong teams in all of their groups. and In the groups, and the regional playoffs, really strong teams. And... Texas rose to the challenge. They've very clearly grown and adapted to where they fell flat in season one. But the same can be said about Houston as well. So oh, it's it's going to be a doozy. And I'm hoping for some crazy picks. I'm hoping for some maps that uh, these teams haven't played. Uh, Consulate and Villa, as far as I can dig up, neither of these teams have played on either of those maps since at least week three. I couldn't tell you some of the playoffs maps, but going through weeks three through nine of the regular season, neither of them played Villa or Consulate. Is that a weak point? Is that just the meta where it was at during that time? I know we've seen a significant update uh, since the beginning of the season, and so we don't know where... The meta has really fallen for those maps, or I can't really speak to it off the top of my head. And if we see either of those maps come up, it's going to be a direct challenge of, we think we know this map better than you. Because clearly, these teams know their roles. They know their 
operators. They know how to work as a team and they know how to work against their opponents as a team. Will it come down to something like map knowledge and who can flex it the most? I think so. I think personally level design and map knowledge in Rainbow Six is probably the most crucial skill. I can get a headshot. I can have a good good match and pop off every now and then. But these these teams are consistent at killing and executing a plan. If they've ignored any map, if they've ignored any strategy, any common strategy, uncommon strategy, rare strategy, it'll be exploited. It will be a pain, a huge pain point. I could see I could see someone coming up with something completely devious and yeah what we saw I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent what we saw when ESPN hosted their collegiate Overwatch championship you didn't see the same meta that was in Overwatch League so I don't think we would see the exact same meta that you see that you saw in the pro league for Rainbow Six as you would see here I think you'll see at least one team being more experimental being really trying to push things around now they might have to settle back into a more common play style if that plan doesn't work out like trying to go to the same site three times in a row um that may not be a, a great strategy to keep trying to push but um yeah it'll be interesting to see where these teams are at and how they decide to execute on their game day plan for me the maps are a big question mark and the rest it'll just come down to who's going to show up on game day first i want to say thank you for listening to the podcast and if you could do me one more favor and that is tell your friends and family about this podcast I'm sure you know someone who can get value from this podcast, and I believe this podcast does provide value for understanding collegiate esports, perspective on esports in general, as well as game development. Now, one really cool feature about this podcast is that if you use the Anchor app, you will be able to record feedback and send it directly to me where I can incorporate it right into the podcast. If using the Anchor app is not quite your style, you can reach me on social media. That's Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube, Mixer, all under the name Warlock Recall. Thanks again for listening. I very much appreciate it. And I will catch you next time on The Summoning Hour.